are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Well, right out of the gate, I will just say, yes, I missed an episode last week. Several reasons for that. I did have to do some traveling for work, and I I tried recording an episode uh, on my laptop with my work headset, and uh, it just, I didn't really care for the quality. Uh, And I also spent some time uh, in North Carolina uh, with my my dad and my brother. Uh, Got out and did a little scouting and so forth, and might hear something about that in a future episode. But anyway, it's just life happens. I'm going to try to get these out every uh, week, but sometimes that won't happen. Um, I've got a few episodes in mind and lined up, and I actually was going to record on a different topic, but I know a lot uh, more states opened their seasons last weekend. And I've seen several things pop up on social media and just decided to chat about uh, that topic instead. And before I jump into this, this I'm going to do my absolute best not to make this a, a preaching episode or get up on my soapbox episode. I'm really just going to kind of talk about, you know, the things that I have seen, the things that I do. Uh, maybe address some of the, you know, the questions I get around why, uh, why do you do X? You know, why do you do this? Why do you do that? Uh, and it's really about, um, and this is not, before I say that, this is not going to be a, an Ashby pro-con, high FOC pro-con. It's not going to be any of that. It's just going to be, I'm going to try to make it some, some real world, real, real experience conversation. And, Hopefully it will, uh, really all I want to get people doing is just, just thinking. That's it. Again, I'm not going to try to sell you on it. Um, It's really just, you know, from a one-sided perspective, uh, let's talk about it. And I'd love to hear from you. So if there's something I say that you don't agree with, or you do agree with, or you would like to add to it, again, shoot me an email, bowhunterga at gmail.com. And I try to respond to all of those either through email, or I may bring it up on a future episode. Um, so what, uh, what am I talking about here? Well, um, I'm talking about, as I've said in the past, deer season opens and, you know, you can almost set your clock by it. Within a few days, you start seeing posts about, uh, took a shot on a, or maybe it's a first shot, whatever, took a shot on an animal. Uh, here are the conditions either don't have much blood, can't find the animal, what went wrong, blah, blah, blah. Well, first of all, nobody can really tell you what went wrong unless you happen to be running video and you can actually, and then sometimes you can't. I had an episode years ago where I shot a hog, had it on video. And everybody that watched that video said that hog should have been dead in 30 yards. And we tracked that hog for well over a mile And it actually took me loading that video software into an editing program where I could slow it down just to uh, basically look at it frame by frame. And lo and behold, then all of a sudden you see this shot was too far back. Uh, But because the hog was moving at the shot, it it almost gave the impression that the fletching was further forward uh, right behind the front leg than it actually was. So all I'm getting at is, you know, people post on Facebook and I, I get it, right? You, you've shot an animal, you, you haven't been able to recover an animal, you feel bad and you want to know what went wrong so you can, you can try to prevent it in the future. We all go through that. 
But I would just say, you know, for anybody that's thinking about doing that, you probably aren't going to get that greater responses on social media. You're going to get a lot of opinions. You're going to get a lot of um, armchair warriors that, you know, I don't know. You know, you can go through a lot of that. But let's just put it this way. Take anything that you get in response to one of those threads with a grain of salt. And really, you just need to think about and analyze what happened. Um, and try to try to make some kind of changes to prevent it from happening in the future. I would say the majority of the time it's you're shooting too far and you need to bring that shot in closer. If you're, if you're, you know, a great shot at 20 yards in the backyard, that's different than 20 yards in the woods. Um, if you're only really, really consistent out to 12 yards, then you know, maybe limit your shots to 12 yards until you either improve or maybe ultimately that's your, that's your hunting range. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good bow hunters out there that rarely if ever shoot more than 10 yards. So, um, it's, it's a, it's a game of being close. Um, it's not, it's not a, uh, it's, it, it's not a, how far can I shoot this animal thing? If you're, if you're shooting traditional gear and if you're listening to this and you shoot modern equipment, really the same thing could be said. Um, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that shoot really long distances with, with compounds on whitetails. And I just shake my head. Uh, I hunted with a compound for a long time. And I think the furthest shot I ever took was maybe 35 yards. I preferred, not to shoot over 30 and rarely did. And I'm, I, I strived for a 20 yard shot. Uh, and then when I switched over to trad, I tried to shorten that up to 10. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I cut my range in half. And if you, if you think about just the range, that's one aspect of it. But if you think about the total area that you're actually hunting, um, 30 yard, a 30 yard area. So 30 yards from the base of your tree in a full circle, the amount of area inside that circle is enormous compared to a 10 yard, uh, distance from the base of your tree in a, in a circle. So you're, you're really cutting your real estate down a lot, but again, if you don't want to wound animals, be, be real with yourself. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the other thing that I've seen, and I'm going to try to tie all this together. There was a post on uh, a traditional bow hunting. I think it may have been the traditional bow hunting group, but don't hold me to that. It was one of the, the groups on, on Facebook where a gentleman um, made a comment, something to the effect, don't quote me on this, but it was something to the effect that Ashby had done more harm than good because now people focus too much on uh, FOC and that's weight front of forward of center. If you don't know, most people know by now, extreme FOC, single bevel broadheads, all this other stuff and made the statement that he had never lost an animal, uh, because he was shooting a two blade. And I think it was two blade with, with bleeders attached and just a, a regular weight arrow. Um, I don't know this gentleman very well. I'm not going to mention any names. I've never hunted with him. Never, never met him face to face, but here's what I'll tell you. And I think most traditional bow hunters that's, that's been doing this for a while would say the same thing. If you haven't lost an animal, you're not killing many animals. It just, that's just a, a mathematical certainty. It, you, 
if you're out there hunting and you're shooting at animals, you're going to lose an animal. I don't care what you're, what you're shooting, what you're hunting with. Um, there's just too many variables and it's part of the reason why we do what we do. It's why we enjoy the traditional bow hunting. We know that our odds of success are lower. That doesn't always equate to lethality of our equipment. It's usually user error or something else out of our control. Uh, anybody that's seen an animal efficiently taken with traditional gear will not argue about the lethality. But there are other factors that play into this. Uh, to that, and I, and I I did respond to that that post, and finally, just based on the responses I was getting, I just walked away. It, it was obvious it wasn't going to do any good. But um, I worry about people that read that and just assume that this individual is you know he's speaking gospel. Um, I will say. If, and these are big ifs, if you are a a bow hunter who has the willpower to limit your shots to, let's say, 15 yards. I'd probably prefer 10, but let's say 15 yards. So you're limiting your shots to 15 yards. You're only shooting at animals that are perfectly broadside. You can 10 out of 10 times place your arrow inside, normally I would say an 8-inch circle for this argument. I'm going to say a 4-inch circle. Consistently place 10 out of 10 shots in a 4-inch circle, and you never shoot at an animal that is in any way alert. They have no clue you are there. They are completely relaxed. If you take all of those factors and combine that with a good bit of luck, then maybe, yeah, you can get by with any setup whatsoever. And I'm not saying that a lot of people don't do that. I think there are a lot of people that do that. Um, I think there are also differences of opinion depending on where you're hunting. There's a lot of states you can only take one or two animals. I hunt in a state where I can take 12 plus. I, I can take over 12. I have licenses for 12 animals. I think it's 12. I'd have to go back and double check to be 100% sure, but... I can take 12 animals, and if I want to hunt management hunts on some of the management areas, I can take additional animals if I want to. Um, so, you know, I'm not I'm not sitting there and, and choosing every shot based on this is the only animal or one of two animals I'm going to be able to take the whole year. So, again, I'm sure there's some thought process around that or some attitude around that aspect of it that that I don't deal with. But regardless, that's my idea of a perfect scenario. And if I'm perfectly honest, I can probably count on one hand every perfect scenario I have encountered while hunting whitetails. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't happen that often for me. Maybe for others it does, but for me it does not. Um... Another thing that ties into this, and again, I'm not, I'm not preaching. I'm not on my soapbox. I just, it's one of those things that I constantly get asked. And this ties into another post that I saw actually just today that I'm going to talk about a little bit, but, um, you see all the post about is X number of pounds enough to hunt whitetails and immediately without any conditions whatsoever or, 
Um, well, if you, you know, you might want to consider this, it's always quick responses. 30 pounds is enough or 35 pounds or 40, 45 pounds will kill any animal in North America. And again, I'm not disputing that. I'm, I'm, I'm not disputing the capability of the weapon. But there are other factors that never come into those simple questions that get asked on social media that have to be taken into consideration. Again, if you're going to limit yourself to a very short range, if you're going to take the time to properly tune your arrow and shoot an arrow that is efficient enough with whatever bow weight you're shooting, and if you you know you're in ideal conditions all the time and you wait for that perfect broadside shot, then yes, yes, yes. It is. It's perfectly okay to shoot a 40-pound bow or a 35-pound bow. But again, those, for me at least, my experiences, those opportunities are few and far between. There's always other factors. Um, so I shoot more weight than that. Now this year and last year both, I'm only shooting 54 pounds, which a lot of people shoot in the mid-50s. So it's, it's not an extremely heavy setup. I combine that with an arrow of at least 13 grains per pound. And in my case, a good bit heavier than that. Yes, it's slow. But it's also very quiet. Uh, with the with the arrows tuned properly, it's a very accurate setup. And I'm, you know, I, I think last year I killed two animals that were at the edge of my range, 18 to 20 yards. And... Neither one of them ducked. They they stood there. It was so quiet. They never and it could change. The next animal's different. They could the next animal I shoot at could drop three feet. But the setup is very quiet, and it's worked very well for me. That said, uh, after last year, I was planning on going back up in weight this year, and just for various reasons, I didn't get the range time that I that I wanted. So I left that heavier bow hanging and I'm shooting the 54 pound bow again. I don't feel handicapped at all, but I did notice last year when I was shooting the, the tree sharks, they're really wide heads, even with all the weight I was shooting. Most times I did not get a pass through. Uh, I think all but one, I did get an exit. So I still had the blood, but I didn't get a pass through and I would much prefer to get a pass through. So, uh, February I was hunting hogs. I went to a single bevel three to one ratio head and shot completely through a couple of hogs, uh, this, this early, this winter, late winter. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm deer hunting again with the, with the tree sharks and I don't feel handicapped for it at all, but that's mostly because of the, the arrow weight. So keep those things in mind, I guess, you know, if you, and maybe there's a reason you have to hunt with a lower weight. And again, I'm not disparaging it. I'm just saying that you can't just ask a simple question, is X number of pounds enough and get an accurate answer there. You have to factor in other, you, you, other things. It's not, it's not always just a simple yes, no cut and dry uh, answer. And in most cases with hunting, it won't be. Um, so where was I going with all that? Um, the post that I sh- that showed up this morning, um, the post that showed up this morning was a gentleman that his first, I think it was his first attempt at a whitetail with traditional gear. It was late evening, 
uh, near last shooting light, so things were dark. Uh, and he made a shot on the animal, and the only thing he could say was it was a doe, and at the shot, she hunched up. Um, couldn't find any blood. What happened? Now, in this situation, I don't know what the animal angle was. It didn't state. I'm assuming it was broadside, complete gut shot, and we all know in a lot of cases, you're not going to get much of any blood on a gut shot animal. Um, personally, I shoot a very wide head because I think it gives me an opportunity, even in a gut shot, especially if I get liver that I will get some blood, uh, but it doesn't always work. So you can't, you can't really depend on that. I would say the chances are it was broadside, went in, went out through the guts and no blood. In that situation, uh, I would recommend finding somebody that's got a tracking dog. If it was indeed a gut shot, that deer is dead. It may go a long ways, and if you know it's a gut shot or you strongly suspect a gut shot, leave the animal alone. Don't push it. Um, but spend that time trying to find somebody that's willing to come out and track the animal. It's much better to pay for a tracking dog than just lose an animal because, well, I don't know where I hit it. Only I don't know how to track this animal. There's no blood make every effort, but there's a good chance that, that that's what happened in this scenario. Uh, the only thing, you know, I could, I could recommend to that individual would besides a tracking dog for next time is, uh, practice more. Uh, I don't know what the shot range was, but you know, if it was an extreme, if it was at the edge of your proficiency, then shorten the, you know, wait for a closer shot next time until you get some under your belt. But then another individual, and this is really where I'm going with this, another individual posted and had a picture of a, a white-tailed doe that they had shot. And I'm not going to mention, in fact, I don't even remember the guy's name. It's not important. But he was stating that, you know, it was a gut shot. It was a, a pretty steep quartering away shot. And the broad head had lodged in the shoulder on the offside. And there was no exit and no blood. I don't think he mentioned how he found the animal. Maybe he tracked it. Maybe he got a, a tracking dog. I, I don't know. But that's the reason that I shoot what I shoot. That's the reason that I shoot the heavier draw weights, the extremely heavy. I don't focus at all. I should have mentioned this early. I don't, I don't even look at my FOC. I can tell you what my FOC is. If I get the arrow heavy enough, uh, to satisfy my, my minimum, my, my self-imposed minimum of 13 grains per pound of draw weight, I don't need to care about FOC. I'm typically going to have high FOC, but I couldn't tell you what the percentage is. I don't care. I know my setup will do what it needs to do. Even on those steep quarter and away shots, I will get, unless I hit the knuckle or a very solid bone, I'm going to get at least a partial exit and I'm going to get blood even on a, a gut shot on a quartering away um, where I enter far back on the deer aiming for the vitals. I'm going to get an exit and I'm going to have a good probability for blood from the exit wound. I won't get any from the entrance wound most likely if it's that far back, but that's why I shoot what I shoot. And again, this isn't a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not trying to sound like I'm preaching. I'm just sharing my experience. And there have been multiple occasions that I can honestly say if I hadn't been shooting a setup I was shooting, I would, 
I'm not going to say I wouldn't have recovered the animal, but it would have been a lot more work. And I may have had a, I may have had to call in a, a, a tracking dog. I'm very lucky. I got a good friend in Jerry Russell. His dog is amazing. And all I got to do is pick up the phone. And in most cases he'll say, you know, I'll be there tomorrow morning, whenever it may be, depending on, you know, what he, what information I can give him about the shot. Um, so I'm lucky in that aspect, but most people can find someone that has a tracking dog. Um, the other aspect of this that I think people tend to overlook is not everyone has the same experience when it comes to recovering an animal. So where I'm, I feel like I'm pretty proficient. I've been, I've been doing this a long time with multiple weapons. I feel like I'm pretty proficient in tracking an animal that's been hit. Um, I'm also smart enough to know if the track is not very easy to find. If it's, if I don't have a solid blood trail and I do think it was a marginal hit, maybe a liver or gut shot, I, I'm, I, I, I have no problem. It isn't a pride thing for me to call somebody with a tracking dog to help find this animal. My ultimate goal is to recover this animal. And there's, for me, there's no pride involved in it. If I don't think I'm going to be able to efficiently find this animal in a, in a reasonable amount of time, I'll reach out to somebody else or I'll call, you know, sometimes I can call a friend, but if I feel like I'm going to have to call in a tracking dog, I'm better off not stomping around and mucking things up for the dog to come in to try to figure out where I've stepped in blood and I've left trails outside of what the deer did. I mean, it's just common sense. Um, a good tracking dog will find it regardless, but you know, you're increasing your odds by just backing out and saying, you know, this is, this is probably a little bit tougher than I'm prepared for and getting, getting some help. Um, but I feel like I'm a pretty good, uh, tracker when it comes to a wounded animal. Um, but not everybody, not everybody is. And when you see a lot of these people that are, that are posting the, it may be their first animal. Uh, and you know, they're not going to, they're not going to be as proficient at following a blood trail as somebody that's, that's killed three or four animals, much less 10, 15, 20, 30, that, that kind of experience you can only get hands-on. So when you think about the, is X pounds enough? Um, what is the best broadhead? What is the best? And for the most part, broadhead conversations are Ford v. Chevy or Chevy v. Ford, depending which side of that argument you're on. Most cut on contact broadheads, if they're sharp, they're going to do their job. Again, I like a wider head in some situations. I think you only get the opportunity to put the the arrow that you're shooting now through the animal once. You might get a follow-up shot, but that, that arrow that you shoot first or second, when you shoot that arrow, you only get a chance to put it through the animal once. I take an approach of do as much damage as I can with that with that arrow when it goes through. Sometimes that is a wider head. In some situations, I may want a more narrow head with a single bevel blade if I feel like it's going to give me a better opportunity for a pass-through shot. Um, it's just going to give me the best opportunity for an entrance and an exit. Two holds tends to bleed better than one. Simple as that. 
So, the, but these are the things that get forgotten when somebody posts is X pounds enough for whitetail or elk, whatever it may be. That it's not a simple forty pounds is enough. There's other factors. It never gets discussed on social media, and I'm sure there's some people that would argue with me about this. But there is the reality that not everybody has the same amount of experience. Not everybody can shoot as well as everybody else. Um, not everybody has the same level of composure. I'm, I've seen people just get completely rattled because a yearling doe came in and they were hunting with a recurve. And you, nobody's going to, well, not nobody, I won't say that. Most people are not going to shoot as well in those situations as they would standing in their backyard. And the, the heavier arrows, the really sharp broadheads, in most situations, I would say the wider broadheads, um, the ability to punch through more than just a perfect broadside right between the ribs uh, through the lung shot is where these other factors come into play. It's where they help. And you just can't, you, you can't ask a simple question and provide a simple answer and take that as it'll work in all situations. It won't. There's, there's variables. There's always variables. Um, as far as the Ashby studies, and I, I do believe in, in the Ashby studies. I think, you know, for what they are and, and how the data was collected, I think they are very accurate. Do I think that applies to the average whitetail? No, I don't think you need whatever. I don't think it was 12 factors. No, you don't need them all. And I, I almost never follow them. Uh, but I do, I do have the ability to use common sense and understand that there are certain factors of the Ashby studies that hands down increase my odds. I've got a better chance for a solid penetration. I've got a better chance for an exit wound. Um, I've got a better chance if I impact uh, a rib on the offside, or maybe I encounter the, the clavicle on a whitetail. Um, and personally, I have actually shot low on two animals, expecting a drop that didn't drop, and I hit the knuckle. And I completely shattered the knuckle. Now, Again, I'm not telling everybody to go shoot what I shoot. In both of those situations, I was shooting uh, well above average draw weights and what some people would consider extreme with regards to error rate, excuse me, arrow weight. But it worked in those situations. I don't necessarily recommend that anybody needs to plan on that, but in those situations, it did work and I was happy I had it. Uh, obviously I'm not shooting that this year, so I don't feel like it's something I have to have all the time. My point being within reason, anything that you can do to increase your odds for not only taking that animal, but the recovery of the animal, anything you can do is worth your time. And a lot of these discussions, the recovery aspect is completely forgotten. Everyone goes straight to, well, this is enough. And I hate that term, this is enough, or X pounds is enough, or uh, 
eight grains per pound of air eight grains per pound of air weight is enough. Not arguing that they're not enough, but are they adequate if one of the conditions that make up a perfect shot opportunity aren't there? Then is it enough? Are these the questions that you are asking or should be asking? And some people just don't care. Uh, and, you know, if that's if that's you, if, if it's always worked for you, great. I'm happy for you and I hope it continues to work for you. Personally, I've had experiences where adequate wasn't enough. And that's why I spend the time to figure out how I can improve my odds. I hope that somebody listening to this, if it's just one or two people that listen to this and it makes them think and makes them reevaluate their hunting setup, their air setup, or their approach when they're in the woods. Maybe it shortens their distance by five yards to, to be sure they're going to get the best uh, possible opportunity for recovery. Then it was worth my time to sit here for, I don't even know if this is going to be 30 minutes, but 20, 25 minutes to, to talk about this. Um, bottom line, that's the only reason I'm, I'm putting it out there is just to hopefully get you to think. So I'm going to wrap this one up with that. I think I've covered about everything I wanted to, to cover. Hopefully I didn't ramble too much. Um, for everyone, and there should be a lot of people now that their seasons have started up, wish you the best of success this year, whether it be with a, a bow or with a muzzleloader, with a firearm. Uh, I may get to, to actually hunt with all three this year. It'll be the first time I've done that in a very long time. But regardless, I wish you the best of luck. I hope, you know, every every dream you have for this season comes true. I wish you uh, short shots and even shorter blood trails. And until next time, I'll talk to you all again real soon. Take care, everybody.